the Damaged Goods Podcast. They're great. They're great flicks to watch in a certain manner. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, like, yeah. I don't know. I like them. I'm a big uh, <laughs> believer that the second one is vastly overrated. Temple of Doom. Yeah. What is overrated about Temple of Doom? I just think it's a really obnoxious performance by Kate Capshaw. And I is think Kate it's Kate Capshaw, the blonde yes. singer lady. Yes. Nice and I just it, I, at first thought it was going to be like kind of like a play on like, you know, goofy white Americans going to foreign places, making asses out of themselves. But then I like watch it and I'm like, no, I think that was just the 80s. And it was just like, no. oh, you know, cool. The 80s. What I liked about that one was like at the end when he gets like the fucking whatever stones back after like dudes have had hearts ripped out of their chest and like little kids have been sacrificed. He gets the stones back and he gives them back to the village. So they get their children back rather than like taking it back to a fucking, uh, you know, like a, a museum or whatever he was doing in the first time. He said, it belongs in a museum. I always hated that line. But at least in that one, he like gives it back to the village. He doesn't put it in the museum. In the end, he like gives it there. And I, right. I was like, thank God, because you always want to put it in the museum, bro. Oh, yeah. But that was in a different one, though, right? No, that's at the end of Temple of Doom. When he finally like gets out of the fucking crazy shit, he goes back to the little village where they lost all their kids. No, yeah, but the, the line, it belongs in the museum. I think it's is... in everyone. Oh really? Maybe even multiple times. It's definitely in the the one yeah, I remember one. is in the third one where he's on the the ship with the cross of Coronado. Oh, in the beginning, yeah. And he's the, like, the it belongs in a museum. You always be saying, hey, "Yo, fucking continuity in question." Like your father is Sean Connery, which is cool, right? No doubt, love Sean Connery. Sean Connery's got this Scottish accent. You had like no like Scottish lineage in like the character and shit. Like he was like an old school archaeologist in that time, but they, I don't know, man. That, the accent always just made me, I don't know. I was like, ah, this doesn't feel like real. Right. I know. That's me nitpicking and shit. No, no, it's it's right. I love it, though. I used to dress up like Indiana Jones when I was little. I had a little leather jacket, brown. I had a fucking hat. I had a whip. I don't know how I got a whip. Like, who gets a fucking whip, right? Like, cool I had case. mad weird old whip weapons, but I had a whip. And then I had this, like, little, like, I don't know, like a binoculars case thing that looked like the shit. Indiana Jones is very progressive. He had, like, a, a purse. He had, like, a man purse. He yeah, had, like, yeah, the he swing did. over the shit. To keep all his uh, archaeological findings in, so I had this like little, little fucking um, binocular thing I wore with nothing inside of it, but I straight up dress up like Indiana Jones, roll around. <laughs> I loved it, dude. Yeah, I was a big fedora guy because of him. <laughs> yeah, I love it, dude. And then you get clown for wearing fedoras sometimes. Now I don't know. I still wear them. I fucking, I would like like wear hats. I like different hats. <laughs> Spice it up. You got like a, a dad hat on backwards, which is great. Dad hat, yeah. I love that. Well, you are technically I'm a dad. A dad. Yeah, it makes sense, right? Yeah, it makes sense. I'm kind of perpetrating, right? I'm, I have like so hat. many hats. I have like literally like 50 hats. Oh yeah. And yeah. I and I and I I always go to the same like eight hats. Yeah, which is annoying because I like always go through. I'm like, oh, maybe this will work tonight, and then it oh, just doesn't. I do that with shoes or yeah. footwear in general. I wear like five out of the whatever I have, and I downsize purposely, and I still. Go for like five different ones and I never wear. But hats is good to have a, a versatile selection. You never know. You want to go dad hat in it? You want to go like scally cap in it? Well, you got to dress up. You know? It's all right. I dig it. I dig the dad hat vibe. You know? For sure. Although I'm not a dad, but I see a lot of dudes rocking uh, dad bods with like no kids. So you got no kids, but you just dad bodding it out hard. Just, you know? just play it up. Just chubby as fucking shit. I have a, a friend of mine that I won't mention on here who has like a dad bod. But he's not a dad, and I'll fuck with my girl when she like wants to overfeed me. I'll be like, "Oh, you want me to look like blank, blank with with tattoos, like dad bod with tattoos? You want me to look like blah blah, like threaten her in the face?" She loves that, of course. 
No, way off. That that non dad bod yet dad hat rocking voice on Damaged Goods. He's a repeat offender. He's been on before. He's a writer. He's a musician. He's an actor. He's a, a man of many talents. My man Nat Angler. What's up, He's guys? What's up, here. girls? And What's your, up? Your jacket is super duper ripped up. Thanks, bro. I, I, feel, I feel bad. It's I, gonna be cold. I, I, good, I wore it, and then I have like my Eagles shirt on because the Eagles always make me feel good. The so. band, the Eagles, yeah, not the of team. Course. The band. Dude, no, I just inherited Eagles. some Eagles records, which I love. Yeah, I'm a huge Eagles fan. Are you? Are you? Uh, huge. Really? Yeah, I look huge. This is great because <laughs> I'm a selective Eagles fan, right? I like, no, I love some Eagles songs. Fucking love them. And then there's some I don't. Well, like one, well like, give me an Eagles song that's pretty famous that you hate. Hotel California. Really? I could go my whole life with never hearing fucking Hotel California again. But is it that their fault, or is that just being because it was kicked into the ground by everybody? Yes, of course. Who are we going to blame, right? Well, I mean, no, I'm just curious. Yeah, it's the reason because uh, in Mexico, where my pops and I like got a crib and like we're down there, it's it's Baja California is what they call it, right? And so on the end of the peninsula in the town we have, live in, there's like a a giant fancy hotel restaurant with a bar, very like touristy attraction, Hotel California. Right, that's even though I believe the actual Hotel California they wrote about was in the the United States state of California, not like Baja California. But there's mad spots in Baja Mexico that do that. But the things they run the fucking song into the ground. Yeah, they run it in the ground. So if you ever had to like pop in there randomly for anything, you're gonna hear that fucking song a thousand times, and you just start to fucking hate it, dude. Yeah, yeah no, I, that makes more sense to me. I just think, I guess maybe because I've somehow shielded myself. When I've gone back and like researched the song, and then like just listen to the lyrics, it's some good lyrics. It's some badass I can't, lyrics. I can't front on the lyrics. I just I think like I, I'm a big ghost story guy, right? Horror, hauntings. Yeah. So I just I always thought it was like a pretty cool little <laughs> thing. But I definitely can get down with the fact that it's destroyed by people just like running it into the ground. But yo, sure. there's like some ego songs I fucking love, like uh, "Life in the Fast Lane." Fucking love Bro, it, dude. This is uh, I just wrote actually. Uh, pilot for something I'm trying to pitch, but woo, woo. I put an eagle song in it. Hopefully, you know it, which eagle song can we mention? Which eagle? Yes, song? of course. It's uh, one of those nights, dude. That's another one. That I song love. is incredible. I fucking love that. <laughs> that I mean, there's a lot incredible. of eagle songs I fucking love. There was never like a full Eagles album that I love because it would be like, oh, I love those three. What about Desperado? Sign, it's a little Seinfeld cheesy, but fun cheesy. It. Elaine ruined it for me, dude. Remember she wanted Elaine and Seinfeld. I just binge watched Seinfeld. In like a three week span a couple months ago, and that, that's like her song or trying to make it her song on one shit. Or no, maybe it was a guy she was dating song. Whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The way that would come on, and I didn't love Desperado. A little cheesy. Uh, I, I like it because it's like it's it's I don't know. Maybe it's it's like that. It's like we've got tonight by Bob Seger or something. It's like that oh, yeah. pop cheesy eighties shit yeah. that I love. But I get I can see why people don't like it. Lion Eyes, I always thought was funny. Yeah. I always liked that song a lot because it was great storytelling. I can't tell you why. I love that. I love that song. Is that? Yeah. I can't tell you why. That's what it's called. Yeah. That's a good one. Yeah. I didn't like like Don Henley for some reason, which I shouldn't write drummer singing like oh, all good, Don right? Yeah. I I hated on him as a younger man, even when he went single, like a solo, whatever. I was like, oh fuck, Don Henley, whatever. But I would still listen to like Glenn Fry solo shit, which is like Miami Vice, fucking uh, the heat is on. Like, what was that? What, Beverly Hills Cop or whatever, yeah. TV 38, when we were young in Boston, there was a TV station, TV 38, The Heat Is On. They would play, like, Red Sox highlights and play that song all the time. It's like, yeah, Glenn Fry is cool. Like, yeah, fucking, he's cool. Yeah, Miami Vice. And then, like, star, yeah. most people hated Glenn Fry. Like, later in life, I found out he's the whack one that nobody liked. And I was like, oh, shit. 
But I fuck with the Eagles, man. I guess. I guess. Yeah, but- no, it's funny. Even like I don't know. I've I've researched him a lot recently, just from a songwriting standpoint. I really respect Don Henley and a few of them, but the. I, it, I don't hate Don Henley as much anymore. Funny to hear them even talk about their own work. Like they, they kind of shit. shit on that Desperado album because it was like they were like, yeah, it was kind of fraudulent. Yeah. Like it was just kind of this like forced I, lo- I love that though. Thing. When artists come clean, love down it. the line, love and it. they're honest about shit they're not proud about. I yeah. think that's a beautiful. They're just like yeah, it's cool. Like we were, I think they were happy with the music, but it was more just like yeah, the, the whole like photo shoot and like us desperado cowboys shit was oh, just i didn't nonsense. even see that yeah. thank god because that would have been like hammered at home even worse yeah but i do think it's amazing when artists can be like not not critical of their own shit sure, but at least sure. be like yeah that yeah. wasn't my best shit yeah yeah or yeah. i was out of touch i was or i, was I, mean, being I did it for the money or whatever <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly because yeah, yeah. if you're a fan and you felt that when they kind of come clean you forgive them and you don't hold it against them so you can enjoy the music more you know what i'm saying right, like, right, right. i don't know i remember like when nas Nas was like my shit when I was young. And then after fucking Mine it was too. written, but yo, after it was written, I am Nas. Like, I really was like, stop. I couldn't fuck with Nas. He was terrible to me, right? I was like, ah, oh, this dude's the worst. Like, and then the takeover comes out and Jay Z shit. And I was like, ah, fuck Nas. This is the, like, whatever. Then Ether came out and uh, Still Matic had these moments where I feel like Nas was like, not apologizing for some of the bullshit he did, but he would like kind of talk about it, like quick little slick lines. But I was like, okay, you're kind of like, Coming to grips Hopping or a, it. admitting that you were not really inspired, like not giving a fuck, just kind of putting music out like for money or whatever. Just didn't give a fuck. And you could hear it in his shit. Like, yeah, yeah, You just yeah. didn't care. You could hear it. That album kind of <laughs> aged well. Because I remember even when it first dropped, I, I don't think people re- recognized how powerful it was going to be for a lot of people. But yeah, dude, that the TakeOver Ether thing was hilarious. Yeah. It was just like so bigger than the game. Dude, I'd written Nas off in my mind up until then. He had the... Uh, the what was it? it was like a pay, uh, stillmatic freestyle over paid in full. Right. I was like, okay, okay, okay. He's kind of like showing his shit. Then Hove comes out with a takeover. Fucking, you got this fucking fire ass Kanye be taking a motherfucking door sample, and he's going at everybody. And I wasn't even a huge Jay Z fan coming off the last few albums, basically because of production. Now you got this crazy album, oh. the f- most fire production ever. Takeover I, was insane. I buy the bootleg from the guy in Mission Hill across from Brigham Circle Diner because I was buying bootlegs. I'm sorry. God forbid me. <laughs> sorry, like, Jake. I think you'll be all right. Yeah. It was like uh, fucking 9-11. I think he dropped on whatever. It was, you know? 9-11. It was 11, so yeah. fire. I was banging that shit. I was like, yeah, fuck, fuck Nas. Fuck all this shit. This album's fire. Finally, Jay's back on his shit. And then I hear Ether. And I still didn't like it at first, but I heard the joint with, um, who produced it? I forget who produced it. The, the joint where they sampled the fucking Soprano shit. Yeah, I and I was like, oh, that was, was kind of yeah. cool. Then I finally like listened more to Ether. I was like, these lyrics are fucking brutal. He's like assassinating. This is like raw shit. And then the album came out, and I bought it. Same bootleg dude in Mission Hill. And I was like, yo, this shit's fire. You got Large Professor all over the shit. He got Premier again. He got LES on. He had all the dope shit. Except the bootleg version has a track that's not on the real one. Thank God. It's a. It's called Braveheart Party with like I think Mary J. Blige. Yeah, on the I've hook. heard it. Yeah, and it's terrible. It's horrible. The bootleg yeah. version had it. So when I would listen, I was like, why? But, but why is it? This is why exactly did they do that. Yeah. Exactly the fucking whack shit he talked against. And but the real version didn't. So you know, yeah, yeah. Which was a good decision by somebody on the higher ups. No, I think it's incredible for any artist, like regardless of the medium, to be able to kind of like I don't know, go through your ups and downs and then address them or just kind of make comebacks or bounce back or just have longevity. You know, like you're right. gonna, if you got a long career. You're going to do some bullshit. Actors, dancers, writers, musicians. It's going to happen, dude. Like, you can't have a flawless, long career with a lot of output. Small output, yes, you can control it, right? Yeah. No, I agree. I agree. It's, 
it's it's a double edged sword, but yeah, if you play it the right way, I think it's so like you have a lot of output now, not solely in one thing, but you're writing, doing music, you're acting, you're doing a bunch of different shit. So you're putting out not necessarily the same amount of output, but like different output in different realms, right? Yeah, I mean, I kind of, I don't know, it's weird. It's like music kind of, it sounds like so annoying when people say this, but kind of fell into my lap. Like when I was like in college, oh, I was, yeah, right. <laughs> I'm so it just, you know, it just happened to be me. But no, it was, yeah, I was in college, I was writing, I was writing rap, I was writing screenplays I was doing stuff but people like always ask me they're like well where'd you get into the writing thing I'm like man I've been writing my whole life I did was doing poetry I was doing screenwriting I screenwriting and movies were really always my big like number one so you were writing like screenplay typey shit before you oh, were writing yeah. rap? I was like 13 really? years old yeah really? yeah it's like movies would be my number one and that was the thing that like you know when people start a lot of people got to know me in Boston through music right yeah. so it was like when they were saying this I was like yo dude I just started writing in like college and then I literally started rapping for the first time ever, like the same year I like got like any kind of buzz. Like it was just like, that's pretty people old. were like, really? I was like, yeah, dude, I just like, I got my own show at Harper's Ferry in front of like 300 people. Harper's Ferry. And it was like, it was like an internationals night. This dude, Alkin, I think his name was DJ Alkin. He was like a, it might be Persian. I can't remember where he was from, but he was like not a rap show, but they were like, yeah, you can have 10 minutes. And I like prepped and I got all these people. I probably brought 50 of my own people Whatever. and it was just wild. And yeah. then, from there, you know, the rest was, you know, I got into more of the music thing. So I think people just, you know, they automatically say, oh, well, that's a rapper. He's this, which is cool. And, I, you know, I took it real serious. I toured. I tried yeah. to do everything I could in Boston. And then by the time I hit L.A. back in, like, tail end of 14, I was like, all right, I'm going to keep doing music, obviously. I'm going to keep pumping some stuff out. But I wasn't worried about, like, putting stuff out all the time. I was more worried about getting everything that together. Yeah, and now you're in L.A., which not only can you pursue music, but you can pursue the writing, the the movie shit. Like, this is the spot for it. This is the spot. I mean? And this is where all the just, like, Boston's great, right? We, we yeah. grew up there. We love it. But, like, the, the, there is a glass ceiling at some point where you feel like, yeah. all right, I got to branch out. And that doesn't mean you, you have to leave in certain ways, but, like, and others you, grow you do, in some way. You especially for like the, the the film Hollywood. Should, even going to New York, still a, a mecca of music and fashion and shit. But I would imagine for like film shit, yes, you can get cast to act in things, but for writing scripts, things like that, it ain't the spot. It's you not the come same. Out, yeah, you got to come to LA. And LA was shit. it took a, you know I've been out here. This is my sixth year now. It took me a little bit, but you know I finally got a manager for acting. I got. Um, you know, a commercial agent and a theatrical agent I'm working on now. I had one, but it wasn't working out. But now, yeah, it's like all of a sudden you start booking things. And I just booked my first major TV gig this Woo-hoo. week. Yeah, thank yeah. you. I'm pumped. I can't, uh, I can't divulge too much on it. Get but residuals, it's, it's a, man. yeah, man, it's a good one. And I'm excited about it. And it's just like, it is it's just putting in the work and being ready for it. But like you said, it's like at the same time, I'm sitting on all these records. I've started plugging records for film and television use. I've started plugging records. Yeah, shit is huge, You know, too. it's not so much about, all, you know, when we were growing, coming up, it was like, yeah, I need to get on tour. I need to get on this dude's album. Or I need to do this. Yeah. Now it's just like, dude, I have whatever I want. I don't care if a thousand people listen to it. I don't care if a million people listen to it. It's like, I'm going to put out what I like. I'm completely independent on the music tip. I'm about to put a video out this week too for my uh, latest single last year, which yeah. I'm excited about. Is that the one in the in the fucking drain pool? Yeah, there's like a super skatey fucking spot. It was super skateboardable. It pool, was wild, right? dude. We pulled where was up. that pool? This was in Mid City. I found it on like Pier Space, and uh, I, initially I had already shot the second half of the video. Is kind of like in like a filled in pool, which yeah. is you know it's just kind of thematic. It's like the you know last year is about. 
it's the song cuts into there's like a really nasty beat switch and it's like the first half is kind of talking about how last year was a little bit on the rough end and this year is going to be a okay so you know i juxtaposed the empty pool versus the full one wow. but i had originally just shot the full pool and then i was going to go do some scene downtown and then i was dr- literally driving downtown with the director and I was like, you know what? Why don't you just like drive over to Mar Vista real quick? There's a drained out pool. I don't know why it popped the into same my head. One or no, it's different. Different. So I pulled over and uh, I was like, what do you think about this idea? It just popped in my head. I just feel like we're driving down downtown on a Sunday at like 4 p.m. for no reason. Like yeah. there's no reason for us to be doing this. It doesn't fit. Brutal traffic. Brutal traffic. And it doesn't fit. It's like not going to work. It's like I'd rather wait. So I, we went, we tried to get into this pool. We couldn't. And then he was like, well, why don't we just like look one up? So I looked one up on Pure Space and I found it. We hit the dude up, and he was like really cool because it was just me, right? It's like there's nobody yeah, else in the video store. And I was, he, it was like a four-hour minimum. Like, dude, can you just do two hours? I'll give you the regular the money. Homeowner. This is the guy who owns the crib. Some dude the who owns a crib. Hey, you cool for us to shoot a video? And he was like, yeah. Well, uh, we go over there, and uh, it's in a real like gnarly neighborhood in Mid City, just like all over the place, like just so funny. And we pull up, and he's like, yeah, man, I've booked this thing fourteen out of the last eighteen days. What? I'm like, yeah. For, for what? Like for videos, videos and film, everything. It looked like an ill spot, like dudes would have skated. In yeah, and it was like a wild pool, dude, because it was like nine feet deep on one end, and then the other end was matched. It was like very, like, gnaw. It was very old school pool. Yeah, and he just keeps it drained and shit. Like, well, this is the funniest thing. Our video is the last one I ever shot there. They're redoing the pool. Oh, and he shit. told us that we'll that week he was like, "Yeah, dude, you're the last ones that are going to shoot here." Smash the shit and redo it. So we just lucked out. Yeah, it was just wild. And yeah, it was. It ended up being cool. I brought my son, brought my sister to kind of help out and uh, with That's him. Cool. And yeah, it was cool. I'm, I'm pumped to get it out. I mean, I still get a lot of people from all over the place hit me up about music, which is always nice. You know what I mean? It's like it's cool to know that people are still like checking for your shit yeah. when you drop it, even though you're not like. You know, trying to drop an album a year yeah, or whatever. Not, your main and one and only kind of right. thing you're pushing. You kind of have a few, um, I don't know, a few skillets going in. Yeah, yeah. And that's the thing. It's like I'm pitching level. screenplays, right? I'm pitching one about my life. I'm pitching one about, um, I wrote a Western, actually. Yeah, and, that's, uh, well, that's, yeah, that's so, kind of your steez. That's Yeah, that's great. my steez. Yeah, I'm pumped. And I, I've I, read part of it. So uh, it's it's great. The, the parts I've read is fucking pretty fire. Yeah, I appreciate it. Yeah, no, it's cool. I mean, I I've I'm got a big Western good... fan too. So I, I yeah, mine's it. like uh, as Jake will probably tell you. I'm very. Uh, I'm not your lollipop type of writing. I, I like to get uh, into the. the so nasty yo, if business. you were you were writing and into this shit way before the music shit, like where did you get the the influence, the the natural inclination to like start writing, especially like film screenplays or and shit like that. My parents probably. I mean, they just exposed me probably to too much. Um, my mom, Nurse Mary, shout out Nurse Mary. You know, shout she, out Nurse Mary, dude. <laughs> she was letting me watch stuff I shouldn't have been watching pretty young. Same to my parents, but that's a great thing. You get yeah. to see some wild shit. Desperado. I was like ten. It was like my favorite movie ever made at that oh. point. And Salma Hayek was like my favorite human. Dude, my ever father's made. warehouse. Not to cut you off. When I was younger, my father still had warehouses in Mass. He had uh, his, you know, his, all the dudes working for him were like. Whatever kind of whatever dudes, and in the like the loading dock area, they had the El Mariachi poster. Oh, okay. this before before Desperado, like ninety two. I was right? like, yo, what is El Mariachi? This shit looks ill. And my pops and friends like, yeah, it's just this crazy Mexican movie. It's like ill shit. Robert Rodriguez. It doesn't have fucking uh, banderas in it and shit. No, it's but just it was like fire. a low key like yeah. prequel. I saw that before thing came out before Desperado. So I was like, oh, this is pretty cool for an indie movie. Also, I'm like ten years old watching it with these older dudes. Then Desperado comes out like way down the line, and I'm like, "Oh, this is so fucking sick!" Yeah, like, he, continues he got like a full budget. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Salma Hayek was just a knockout. Oh, yeah, God. Jesus. Yeah, I, I don't. I think it was just them, and 
I don't know what it was. I really yeah, nobody lo- was like writing in your family. No one's writing. My dad was a writer a bit. I mean, he's a lawyer, but he would do some. Yeah, not necessarily film writing, but writing. Of no, any kind. yeah, we do some personal writing and some stuff like that. I remember one of my big things I got involved with. My mom was always big about the library, and yeah. in the summertime, when we were down in East Ham, where we would spend most of our summers, we were lucky enough to spend them. There was this club at the library. My mom would make us go to, and you could choose like one of like five different like classes basically that you could go to and i chose poetry nice and that's when i started writing that's probably my first you know like you were we were rhyming you know what yeah, i mean yeah, so yeah. it was well, like that's what poetry is yeah that's what poetry is so that was like my cue to be like okay let me try to do this and then once i learned how to break down the poetry writing versus other things as I got a little further down the line, I mean, I loved film so much, and I was I was really into it. Even by like thirteen, I was like, I can make my own movie. You know what I mean? And we did. We started shooting. I shot. I, well, I'll have to dig them up for us. Sometimes they're hilarious. Hell like, dude! You did that shot, edited, middle. directed, wrote like hour long movie. We did this one movie called The Pinky Effect with my cousin Rob. <laughs> I was college by the time that came out, but there was like. Other random ones. One called Household is about like my brother running mission. We called them missions and like trying to sneak into like the kitchen while my parents were in there without them knowing he was there. Just like nonsense. But I guess yeah, I just it just picked up on it and then yeah, the screenwriting. Yeah, I tried to submit to like festivals when I was in like my teens. I wasn't very good at it yet. But still, you had the early ill passion. Yeah, I had a passion for it because I was just like I love movies. I loved like storytelling aspect of it. And then when I went to college, I I made it a point. I was like, all right, I'm going to focus on film studies and and screenwriting. This ill, you even like fucking around, like actually like making little shit when you was young. You know, like that's. It's funny how sometimes shit like when you're so young, you're doing it. And you kind of like drift off to other passions over time, and then maybe you come back to it later, and you're like, yo, this was like almost my foundation. This is like where I was kind of starting my shit, getting my chops before I even really recognized it, you know, and I went over here, but now I'm back here doing this shit, writing film shit. Like, I didn't even know until like a year and a half ago, like I was at my mother's house, and she gave me all these like books that I wrote when I was like in like fourth grade, like like the kind that you like make the book with like, I don't know, make the folder of it, like fucking make the binding writing the shit like handwritten shit drawing like little books i did like tons of these i don't even know about it you know i was like oh shit that's like probably the precursor to like writing books down the line even though i drifted from that to like visual art drawing painting music all that shit you kind of come back sometimes to that shit you know that you did when you were younger because it's just natural yeah yeah, it's just part of it yeah and i I don't know there was always something i i guess with my music i always thought was kind of like cinematic cinematic like just not you know I, i it was just the way I wrote, I really wanted to try to bring environment to life. So it was like the way I rapped was about, you know, I would have my records that were just kind of talking shit or whatever. But then there was like records. Yeah. I did like the song called like Michael's getaway. My original plan for it was going to be like a, an animated music video, but it was about like two addicts that were in love and it was just like a story, you know, just an old fashioned storytelling song and storytelling though. It's a great, yeah. It's like in music, storytelling is like the most cinematic form of it. I feel like. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, And that's why I was like this, this goes hand in hand. And even when I started rapping, like going on stage, when people were like first asking me when I got out to LA, like, is it hard? Like auditioning? So I was like, dude, if I can go on stage and rock in front of a thousand people, like hanging out in front of a few Hollywood dudes. Yeah. I just go into a room with a camera, fight you and throw some shit at you and jump you after the show. Like, yeah, next or whatever. And I had done auditions with rap, even like where people would like in Cambridge, I can't remember who it was, but it was like, I remember I had to go in and like rap in front of a camera and like two people. Oh. And that was wicked awkward because yeah, that was just like, awkward. you yeah. know, you're trying. But I like went nuts. I was yeah. like jumping off the Spazzing walls. 
Vampire. I felt like one of those terrible videos you see of like Bobby Schmurter or like Machine Gun Kelly like on the exec's table and the like and the thing just table. jumping around. You're like, oh god, that's yeah, so crazy. Super hard. Yeah, that's crazy shit. It's wild. Like I, uh, I just remember like when I was younger, like listening to hip hop. I, I loved every every style of song, like different shit. But the the storytelling shit. Hit me the hardest. I felt like I was watching fucking movies. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm listening to Biggie or Slick Rick or Nas or whatever. I felt like I was watching a fucking film when I listened. I'm like in another world, just trapped in the story. And I always wanted to, to do that. It's like, that's what I try to do. One thing I noticed, like, storytelling rap, like, that's my favorite. Absolutely my favorite. Even all songwriting, like, my favorite musicians. That's my favorite shit. But with hip-hop, like, live, the storytelling rap, I always felt like, it's the hardest shit to get across live to get people into it. Unless they already knew the song or very familiar. Like, you saw a Slick Rick dude children's story. Everyone's going to fucking sing along. But you might love that in the headphones or in the whip. But, like, doing it live was so tough because people want to hear, like, the whatever shit. They're not following the story live as much as they're listening to the fucking music and the, you know, the flow. And they want to hear some shit, you know. And I was like, ah, oh, it's such a weird... I was a weird dynamic to try to translate this live and get people into it as much, you know? I yeah, for like sure. I was crippled by that because that was my favorite shit to do and to listen to, you know? Yeah, that was, I guess that was the, my angle too with the videos. Like, and I always got like a lot of good feedback on my videos. Was making just like videos it, like movies? Yeah, like that was my thing. Like I, I always thought it was cool when rappers did like homages to like, you know, like think of like Lil Scrappy and Lil John did the training day one or yeah. like shit like that. I always thought it was a cool little flip. And then there was always this thing with hip hop, especially maybe it's because I came up really during like that mixtape run era of like putting like samples of songs in or sorry, movies yeah. in songs. Like I always thought that though. was so fun that. and I still do it and people are like, Oh, you're never going to get that clear. And I'm like, wait, I don't give a fuck. Yeah. Like I just want it. This is what I'm feeling yeah. and I want to merge the two. And I always thought it was a fun way to handle it. That's why like when I shot monsters, back with like Dutch it's like me like basically trying to break in and free them from like this fucking masked maniac and it was supposed to be like it was like a hostile homage it was just like this will be fun like yeah. let's try to act and we'll make some blood and guts and you know be, I get to be the hero because it's my yeah. song it's fucking who gives a <laughs> shit you know what I mean like, yeah you some like prosthetics and some yeah it was blast oh we had a we had a blast we shot it like the basement of a fucking it was like a Caribbean restaurant in in, in like Dorchester on Blue Hill Ave it was like one of our buddies' families owned it. We shot down there for like you know six hours. It was awesome and it came out great. The video came out great. Like That's mad people were like, a lot of people just who didn't even know me hit me. Were like, yo, that that was really dope. I'm like, yeah, dude, we're supposed to be fun, man. Like, I don't want to just make yeah, 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 make it fun, make it cinematic, make it I don't know, just like more uh, engrossing, like some, richer. You know right, like, right, yeah, right. You know? So if you're doing all these different things. And I know this is like kind of a, a weird question where it's almost impossible for most people to like answer. But like out of all the different artistic realms that you're like existing in right now, what are you digging the most out of it? Or what are you like deriving the most satisfaction from? I would say um, right now I think I would say music's probably a little bit on the backseat just because for two reasons. One, like I, you can probably attest to this, that that – Making the music is always the funnest part, yeah, and then after that is a nightmare. Sucks. Dick, sucks. So it's just like it drains you, and you just you don't mind spending money if you feel like people are listening. On this last record, I was really glad I put it out when I did because it's like probably been the most successful record I ha I've had. That's good. Um, yeah, it's like eight thousand streams on Spotify for me is a lot, and it's all over the all over the world. And this video is going to make it better. And um, but yeah, right now I would say it's probably the acting um, yeah. just because I feel like it's something that's, you know, I just feel like I've been working at, I've been pulling 
kind of my own teeth to make sure I'm getting not only better, but like the opportunities and like, you know, this week finally paid off and it was like a big deal. Like getting that call was huge. I was like you, flipping yeah. out. Sure you're fucking psyched when you get that call. I got a good story about that call. It was Can a text. Share the call? Yeah. Share the story. It was a text. So I was, uh, I was with my sister. texted you. Well, it was my manager. So she was okay. just, she just wanted me to know like, so I, I read for this part and it was the first time I read with my sister. My sister was just in town. So usually I read, you know, whoever, yeah. Regal, my cousin Regal or somebody around, you know, or maybe I'll call oh, up one of my homies and, uh, you know, my girl, whoever. And then I was like, Jack, he's like, I'll do it. So we read it. I feel great. It was like a, you know, the, the character fit for me. And I just felt like I was really hitting my notes and she was like, oh, this is great. She gave me some good feedback. Like two weeks go by, I'm like, fuck, I didn't get it. Or not even two weeks, like a week and a half. Yeah, a week and a half, like, fuck, I didn't get it. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes you hear with, like, that day. But with, like, TV production, it can be longer. So I'm like, fuck, whatever, I didn't get it. No no big deal. I I did my part. The rest is out of my control, yada, yada, yada. So whatever. I'm standing in my house. I think my my son was there. My my sister was there. And I hear this fucking lady just yelling outside. I'm like, what the fuck? This is crazy. But I'm just, like, trying to ignore it. And then it's, like, 10 minutes later, I'm just, like, in one of those moods. I'm like, all right, I can't deal with this. And so I'm going I'm going downstairs. Lady. Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> she just sounds like she's howling at the moon. So I go outside, and I, I live, like, across the street from, like, this church. And I, I see this lady, and she's sitting, like, you know, you know, crisscross applesauce in front of the doors of the church, eating an apple, looking up at the sun, smiling huge and just yelling. And I'm like, all right, I'm just a piece of shit. I can't say anything. I'm actually going to offer some water. So I like turn around and I walk and I like get the buzz and I look at my phone and it's my manager. And she's just like, Hey, how would you like to work for a blah, blah, blah. And I was like, Holy shit. So then I start yelling like a fucking maniac. And then I, I'm like literally yelling like, woo. And I like turn. And like now the, the lady I thought was nuts is looking at me like I'm fucking nuts, which you know. She should have joined it. I thought that's what I mean. I was like, maybe, yard. maybe, maybe we were meant to like eat lunch out there in front of the and church. You didn't get her the water after that. You're like, fuck the water. No, you no, I didn't because I was just like <laughs> running up the stairs, being a typical selfish prick. Right, but uh, right. it was funny. She was just looking at me like, oh yeah, you're you're nuts too. You thought I was nuts, but um. Come over here. Come over yeah, here. yeah. Come, come have some of my apple. But yeah, it was it was cool. I, I just. I feel I, the writing thing is probably second. Like screenplays are great, and when I'm in a great creative space, I think it really flies off my fingers. But like you said, having a, I have a two year old and uh, dealing with a lot of stuff. Like writing a, a lot of the time is a lot of it is hours of you just sitting around thinking. Yeah, it's, it's tough too, especially if you don't have like a a, a space where you can completely zone out and concentrate. Hey, I wrote so I wrote most of that western before he was born and then or not maybe not most but I did a lot of the research before he was born and then as he was born I started writing more and it was just like kind of a dark time in my life anyways it was just a lot going on and I, I think it worked out well and then when I wrote the pilot a couple months ago like November I finished my first draft and then that one I wrote in like a week and just because it just flew off. It, a lot of it's based on well, yeah, when it my comes life out natural though, when it just flows, yeah that's the best. it was the just, best I didn't shit. even have to think I was just like boom boom on, boom go, boom dude. boom even when I ran through to make edits I was like I didn't really cut that much I was like yeah this is exactly what sometimes I wanted sometimes it's better not overthinking it too much no you know? for sure and I think sometimes especially with screenwriting I feel like a lot of writers get involved with the structure right like yeah. oh my god so I've learned to just kind of get it out and then go back and do yeah, all yeah. the nitty gritty afterwards. Getting it down on paper or on the computer, whatever they want to call it, is the most important part. Like getting it out of your head, getting those those thoughts and those plans out like in some kind of concrete form so then you can look at it. Now you've got it out there and you can like get less scared of that first step of like putting it down. Right. Oh, for sure. I get apprehensive about shit. Like I want to write all this shit, but like uh, I don't know. You think about it too much and you just – 
don't want to do it. You got to right. like, peel that Band-Aid off, just fucking get down to it, you know, put out shit. And I always, like, when I think about, like, people who don't put out a lot of shit, they only put out, like, whether it's, like, a book or a movie or whatever every so many years, I always wonder, like, are they just kind of, like, I don't know, extra critical and kind of, like, I don't know, nervous, but... I'm not sure what the word might be, but like they just don't want to put out any bullshit. They're very selective about what they're putting out, so they only put out like you know a movie every four or five years, like a, a Paul Thomas Anderson or like even like a fucking Nas. Like he puts out like an album every like whatever many years, you know, or like somebody who's like very selective about what they're gonna do and shit. Kendrick, like that. yeah, Kendrick, he, he's four years for an album, yeah, right, and that's a long time, especially super in this long. day and age. Like back in the day, that's not that crazy. Right now, that's insane. Oh, it's insane. Yeah, I mean, it's a little like, different when you win the Pulitzer yeah, for it. Well, if you're like a top build artist, it's crazy because they're expecting you to do more, but that's when you probably have the most ability to be selective about your output. You, I cannot put shit out right now because you guys all like my shit. You want my next shit. I'm going to be really careful about what it is that I put out next and make sure I love it. And I'm going to be just kind of chilling on the cut until it's ready, which I like. I'd rather have... I'm very more quality uh, over quantity. That's me. You know what I'm saying? So, but... Some people are just like boom, 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 boom. Right, boom, right, boom. right. But even in the movies, like there's directors who I love, who pump out like one every two years, and it's almost like fifty-fifty sometimes. Like, okay, that was fire. That's a classic. But this is kind of bullshit. And, like you're kind of you know, especially with directing, dude. That's got to be the most like talk about. A lot a of directors ju- pull that fifty-fifty shit too. Yeah, you know? it's just so much. You just got to put in literally your whole life into something like that. I mean, uh, there's just so much to keep track of. I, 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 it's something I've always believed I'll do, but it's. It really is daunting. It's like uh, I can imagine. It's it's just a lot to go at the same time. You would ever? That's not your thing. You never. No, I think it. I would. I just think I would have to be in a really good, the right place for it. It's always interesting to me because, like you know, like there's some dudes who like direct a movie that they wrote or they kind of like co-wrote or whatever, or act in it. Which makes sense though if you like kind of co-wrote and you want to direct it because the vision is all kind of coming. You know how you want it to look. Sure. And then the dudes who just like direct shit, they find a script or whatever comes to them, and they're like, "Oh, I see a vision for this. I'm going to flip it." It always kind of like I don't know. I always thought that was ill because if I was creating some shit, I feel like I'd want to make sure I saw it through to the end the way I saw it in my head. If I was a writer, right? Like like Stephen King had a, a big issue with uh, Kubrick's fucking Shining. He hated that version of The Shining, and then he went and made a, a shitty TV movie version of The Shining, which I'd never seen. And I, don't I saw it, yeah. yeah. And I heard it's like very much lackluster or whatever because he just didn't like the way he did it. But I'm sure Kubrick like saw some shit in that that he was like, I'm going to bring these elements of it to life like this and whatever. And yeah, you got egos coming to play and all that shit. But yeah, it's tough. I mean, that's a great. That's a. I think that is one of the classic examples. I think we've talked about this before off off the podcast, but I think The Shining is one of the best directed films I've ever seen. Yeah. Like any so, genre, it's so just so. it's just beautiful. I mean, Stanley Kubrick is a genius, but. It's funny, even I I read The Shining this year again. Yeah, I read it for the first time since I was in like high school. And I get why Stephen King didn't like it because it, it really, his version, despite a lot of people panning it, is way closer to the book version than Kubrick. Kubrick took a lot of liberties yeah, yeah, with I'm it. Sure, so sure. I could understand, especially if it was something I had written. Because, again, a book is like you just get to put in so much detail that gets yeah. lost anyways it's when you so go to long. a movie. So, so it's. Extensive. I, I could see why where we'd have a problem, but it is. It's I agree. It's a weird thing. Like I wouldn't feel comfortable necessarily directing 
something that someone else wrote. Yeah, it's like here's my baby. I'm gonna give it to you as a yeah. director because you're paying or the studio's paying extra. I mean, I, I I could maybe, but it, I think if I were to like choose, it'd be something I wrote because it'd be like, well, I already have this halfway done yeah. in my head. Exactly, because you you see what you wanted to see, like you want it to look a certain way. It, just like you make a song and you paint a, a picture or whatever. Before it's even done, you, you, you have a vision of how it's going to sound, how it's going to look and shit. But in these situations, you're going to write this thing. and You got it all done. Like, this is exactly how I want it to look. You give it to somebody else or it gets sold to somebody else, like a director. And now you're trusting them to, like, adapt it. But they got to make sure it looks dope on screen. And their vision of it is like, yo, we're going to bring it to life in this way or whatever. And, like, it might not be the way you thought about it. And then, I don't know. That, I always thought that was the weirdest thing about movies was, like, the writer and the director aren't always the same person. You know? Yeah, yeah. No, it's a strange one. And writing, it is. It's a some of the best screenplays you've ever read are just or or, or considered classics. You know, directed by other people are just you know, yeah. it's like Chinatown. Like that was you know that's a good example. It's like Robert Town wrote it. Oh yeah. But then it's what yo he what was it? He wrote some other ill shit in uh, in the seventies. Oh, he's got a bunch of stuff. Did you do the conversation. Is that the one we yeah, yeah, with uh, Gene, Gene Hackman, Hackman and shit? That's yeah. great, dude. I think he did that. I could be wrong. Dude, Gene Hackman in the 70s was on fucking fire. That dude was in every fucking movie. Gene Hackman's movie. the best. He was the man. In the 70s especially, he was in like every... Remember that story movie. like 10 or 12 years ago where he like beat the shit out of somebody? He was like no. he was like 75 years old. And what did he beat the shit out of somebody for? They were like in a road rage incident. Or there was like some issue with a car. I meant to look it up, but he like basically got out. And like the guy like got flipped with them, and Gene Hackman like Hilarious. knocked him on his ass. And the guy was like thirty, and Gene was like you know like in the a seventy-five 70s. year old like Academy Award winner. You think you would probably like chill out and not do some? You would think, out. but some people just can't help themselves. I yeah, love Gene Hackman like the Unforgiven even like dude, he's great. Yeah, yeah dude, he's great. That's I love. That's one of my favorite endings to any uh, movie. That's about as Western, that's about right? as good as it gets. Yeah, that movie, that movie, that whole that um, whole thing. That's another one. That's a movie. I think that first draft was written in eighty-five. But who wrote it? Um, I'm because I know Eastwood like Clint Eastwood directed The Unforgiven. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't somebody that was a household name. I don't believe, but I can't remember. It's it's slipping my mind right now. But I just remember I, I went and when I was uh, prepping for my western, I went and you know you always just, like, go went down the western rabbit hole, just like watch. Yeah, all I just like to get into the mode. It's kind of like I did like a yeah, Halloween binge. I did an all October horror like watch, and I just watched nothing <laughs> but horror movies. And, uh, yeah, it was cool because I'm, I'm kind of a horror guy anyways, but then I was just like, all right, this is great. Now I can, now I have to focus on other stuff for a while. Cause I literally, it wasn't even that I was sick of them. It was like, I don't have anything left to watch. You burned them all out. <laughs> I did. I'll do that with certain shit. Like, uh, definitely gangster flicks or like some weird, like depressing indie flicks. I like burn through them. The only ones left are like the real shitty ones. You know, I know this is so low budget. I can't, I can't do this. I'll, 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 I'll turn it off. You know? I did some work on the, the, the. I looked up the director I'm working with this week, and um, I, I I went down his or her rabbit hole to look at their Is stuff. Is that smart? Is that a good idea? I don't I don't know if it's a good idea. I just that's just kind of who, who I am. I was just curious, kind of what what they're into, what, what they're, they're into, and what they're providing. I mean, this director hasn't done a ton of things, but she's you know he or she's done like a good amount. So it's like interesting to see. Oh, all right, and then like. The writer is like, you know, he's done a million things. So it's like cool to see, 
like the writer's done so much stuff. I've already seen like a bunch of stuff he's written, so I don't even have to go that's, right. That's but then with her, it was like okay, well, or, or he or she yeah. is like boom, I can do this. So it's it's just I think it's a yeah, good way to do it. Doing your homework in a way like no yeah, like you're, getting into I, you're lucky enough to work with somebody where it's like oh, I'm, I'm working with Martin Scorsese this week. Oh. It's like well, I've already seen all Martin Scorsese yeah. movies because he's awesome. But if it's somebody's on the up and up. That you might not be fully aware of yet, like you know, a new, like a new Ari Aster who did like Ari Aster who did like Hereditary or something. Wow. You know, he's done like two like really acclaimed what else did films. That do besides Hereditary, Midsommar. Oh yeah, I didn't see that one. I know that's like the freaky, crazy, weird one. I just I don't. I mean, I'm not gonna knock it. I just don't. I thought Hereditary is like the scariest movie I've ever seen. Like it's on the it's on the shining level of excellence as far as horror goes. The Midsommar like cover is like a close up of, of somebody's face. Which makes me think it's actually very fucked up and terrifying and weird it's, old movies. It's, so it's interesting it. the way it's shot. I just didn't... Like, people were like, this is the most disturbing thing I've ever seen. I'm like, man, maybe I'm really fucked up because I just feel like all the other stuff I've watched is way crazy. There's a lot of disturbing movies out there that you can watch just for that, that shock value or to see how far the director pushes it. And shit. Yeah. Like, I mean, he's, he's incredibly gifted. And I, like I said, I'll put Hereditary up against literally any horror movie. I think he's awesome. So I, I'm not... It's not even that. It was just more just like... When I watched both of them, I was shocked. People were talking. It felt like people were talking about Midsommar more than they were talking about Hereditary. I was like, and wait, how? Well. It just was like Hereditary was like, as far as horror goes, it was like pitch perfect for me. I mean, again, it's all opinions. But, I mean, the cast. I mean, Tony Collette. She's a monster. Gabriel Byrne. You know, Gabriel Byrne. He's the man. That, I mean, the kid did a great job. And then just like the setting, the mood, the tone, the shock, the way it built, the crazy woman from The Leftovers. She's actually from Holyoke. Uh, <laughs> Shout out to Holyoke Mass. She built, yeah, dude. I forget her name. Oh, she's been in a bunch of stuff. She's an older lady. She was in. She was in Hereditary, but she was in the uh, leftovers. Melissa Leo. No, no, Melissa Leo's oh, great. Yeah, but no, this great. is some uh, one else. She was in uh, the leftovers, like the, one of the cult leaders. Uh, yeah. And she had based the cult leader off Bill Belichick, which I thought was hilarious. What? Yeah, she hilarious. was like, because Bill's, you know, about this like. The system and this thing, I just thought this is something I could work with. I was like, that's so great. Like, you turn Bill Belichick into a cigarette smoking cult leader. That's, that's great. Um, but yeah, no, it is. It's all, it's all, it's all, it's all, it's all what people think. But yeah, for my two cents, I think Hereditary is as good as it gets. So weird for me because, like, being not, you know, you know, it's like not an avid horror movie fan. Like, I don't watch horror movies, but I still find other movies scary. Like that are maybe not intended, or maybe like thrillerish or whatever you want to call it. But that shit will like kind of freak me out and scare me in some ways. Like even if I watch JFK by Oliver Stone, which I've seen a gazillion times, I can literally recite the whole fucking movie. Right. If I watch it alone at night, there's times where I get like scared in my room that like the CIA is like watching me and gonna come kill me because I'm like investigating the fucking assassination, which I'm clearly not. But it's like little weird things like that will creep me out more than like a, a horror movie. You know what I'm saying? Right. Uh, certain movies will freak me out. Uh, and when we talked about like, things like Requiem for a Dream and like <laughs> totally shocking movies, but then there's like the movies that are like, like a, like a like a like a Lars Van Trier movie that's just like super freaky, like a, like Nymphomaniac one or two. It's not a horror movie, but it's like oh, I, I don't yeah, know if I can heavy, do this again. Heavy, you know? like, heavy, heavy. Yeah. yeah, there's like a few like those fucked up movies like that where like where's this director gonna go? Where, like I want to watch this shit just once, right? Just to like experience it and like. Okay, I'm cool. I'm cool. Now I need a cigarette yeah, yeah, and a exactly. shot. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to smoke, but I'm going <laughs> yeah. to watch like fucking My Little Pony cartoons afterwards. Yeah. You just like, got to cut it down because that shit's so gnarly sometimes, man. Like, yeah. Have you ever turned a movie off or walked out? I've definitely turned movies off. I have, I've never gone to the theater and walked out, I don't think. I've, I've come close. 
Did you turn the ones off because it was just, oh, this shit sucks? Or was it too much to handle? That's, I guess that's what I was really asking. Was it too much to handle? I was either, yeah, it was sucks. I've never seen a movie that I was like, the closest one I thought where I was like, all right, this is, there's two movies that come to mind. I remember on um, the one with the, the fuck, the uh, Irreversible. Irreversible. Yeah. I was waiting to say that only movie I've ever turned off. Okay, it was so that, fucking gnarly, that, Yeah, dude. Me and my like, boy are watching. I we're think like, rape okay, scenes okay. are a prob- yeah, problem was, in a lot the, of ways anyway. subway station rape scene, we both were like, me and my boy were like, okay. So yeah, that was done. too much. It was too gnarly. And the opening scene of this movie is so brutal anyway. Like, to make it through that, you're like, oh, God, it can't be any worse than this. But obviously it is. There was another movie I got really mad about. I came close to turning it off. It was, I, it was with Casey Affleck. The Killer Inside Me. Yeah, that movie's freaky as fuck. And I they, watched that the shit. The scene That's where they beat freaky. Jessica Alba and she's urinating because she's been beaten so badly. Do you I, remember this? She like, like I, basically pisses herself I gotta, because she got beaten. I would have to watch it again, which That's I That's when do, I was like, okay, I'm fucking pissed. That was a creepy pissed. flip. Yeah, I just, I'm fucking flip. pissed. I don't need to see this. Like, I, I guess it speaks to the fact of, you know, it's, there, there's the people that say, oh, it's so scary because you didn't actually see anything. It was just what you thought. Yeah, uh, which I, I usually think that actually is I, scary. I, I think that works, and I think it could be applicated, especially to like rape scenes more and more. There was, yeah, a, yeah. There was a movie I saw. Did you see The Nightingale? It was about like a Irish... Uh, it was like an Irish runaway in Australia during the tough days back then. Oh. And it was, it, was, it was... I thought it was a pretty good movie. I liked it, but there was like... I think it was three different rapes. By the third rape scene, I was like, dude, all right, it, for bro. fuck's sake, dude, like, yeah. we it's get like it. Once like, upon a time in America, there's like two De Niro rape scenes in that, like, fucking long search. It's like, like I get it. And I get, like, at some point, maybe this, you know, this was something that, for whatever reason, needed to be put in movies. Yeah. Maybe, probably not, but I'm just, I'm just trying to give the benefit of the doubt. But yeah. now it's like, it's hard to I remember even, like, Game of Thrones with, like, the, uh, when Khaleesi first like oh, remembers with, with, with yeah, drago with like raped her basically yeah, yeah, Aquaman, yeah. that was like I, I remember a lot of people being rough and now it's funny because it's opened up this whole like dialogue for people and now there's like literally on screen like uh i don't know if it's therapists or whatever but it's because again you just never know what people have really experienced yeah, exactly, god yeah. forbid and then just like like you said even if you haven't like even for you or me yeah. it's like dude I don't want to fucking watch this. Like, this shit is making me sick. I don't want to think, you know, I don't want to, and I don't want to, you know, it's one thing to act like you're a bad person in a movie and like, obviously something gets snipped, but it's like, dude, so you're going to make me fake rape this person. And then it's just like, that's, I don't know. There may be some like calls for stuff, but it's like sex scenes. I mean, there's some sex scenes you watch. There's no reason for us to be watching this right now. But then there's some where you're like, okay, I get it. It makes sense. This fits or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. This is character drive. That shit in. Yeah. A lot of people were talking about it recently online with the history of violence. Remember that sex scene? It was like on the stairs. Yeah. It was like kind of rough, almost like borderline. Like that fit the story though. But that's what people were saying. Now she's seeing the crazy side of him. He's like kind of exposed. It really was. It was an interesting look at sexuality too it wasn't yeah. just about oh a sex scene it was like no we're talking about the way their sexuality has been yeah. switched yeah and like you said it's like it was part horrifying but then part interesting because it's like oh well what where's that been you yeah, know what yeah, i mean yeah. it's just kind of that which is something i think we all deal with with long-term relationships in some ways and shapes and forms so it was yeah that would be like i i would say yeah that makes sense i don't think anybody's gonna knock that but yeah if you're just like oh yeah banger on the bar and then back to the shoot scene it's like yeah okay sometimes we just want to see hot babes having sex or you know hot dudes having sex but it's like yeah, do we really need that in like all these other movies I don't sometimes know it feels cheap and shit you know? Yeah. Uh, some movies it's funny that's the only movie Irreversible the only movie I like 
couldn't watch anymore. I've I've turned shit off. I'm like this shit sucks. Like, right, right. I don't want to waste two hours of my life. I got shit to do. I finished but... it, but I was I, I was disgusted by it. I didn't yeah. like it. And it was the same thing with the killer time. It was just like that scene. Like I remember like the rest of the movie I watched, and I was like, I, even if it was the best movie ever, I just was so stuck on what I saw creepy. that it that was bothered a really creepy me. Flick. There's been some creepy the Doom Generation. Yeah, I saw that. That was creepy. I didn't turn it off, but that was like. Well, it was like kids. Remember kids when we were young? Of course, but that was like my shit. I love Larry Clark and Harmony I thought kids. I yeah, but I thought kids was good because it wasn't like that. Wasn't I don't know. It was it was difficult to watch, but it felt like it was like trying to show like how crazy shit yeah, gets. It, it, was, it didn't feel like it was like no, it wasn't pretentious. It yeah, was, it was very much. I felt like it's just very real. It's just like right. This is what it is right here. Like you know, this is how it is. And then I don't know. They weren't really like, glorifying it. it. Didn't have like a crazy like budget push behind it. It was just like showing the shit. For yeah, it was. definitely wasn't glorified. I was yeah. I was disgusted by it. Like yeah. in the good way. Like it was like just so like this. You know, some of the scenes in it where you're just like afterwards. I was thinking about. It. You know, I was pretty young when that movie came out, yeah. so I was just like, shit, man. Like I get, like people are crazy, dude. Yeah. Like this is crazy. Larry Clark has this one movie that was like the craziest shit I've ever seen in it. It never got released, so I used to work for this video store in, in JP called Video Underground. Okay, yeah. And uh, the woman who owned it like knew a lot of dudes in Hollywood and whatever, all this shit. So she knew like the guy who edited shit for Larry Clark. He had this movie called Crap Neck, which never got released. And uh, No, it was called Ken Park. My fault. It's called Ken Park. So it, the reason why I said Crap Neck is like this kid in the movie, they called him Crap Neck. I don't know why it's like not important, but they just spelled it backwards, Ken Park, for the movie. Gnarly ass movie, right? Like the opening scene is a suicide scene in a skate park. And you're like, what the fuck? And he's like, right away, like, I get why this wasn't released. And he had like very typical of his movies, like people over the age of 18 that look way younger in like sex scenes. So yes, you're like a legal adult, but you look like you're fucking like, 16, 15, having sex with a people who are clearly older adults in the in the story or like whatever and it was it was graphic I mean graphic as fuck but it was just so gnarly there's like a real asphyxiation scene like all this wild ass shit dude and it was so fucking wild and I had to give like the DVD back to the you know the owner of the this place I worked in like I'm like yo this shit's fucking nuts like I get why this never came out like nobody would put this out not even like an indie like studio like it was just crazy as fuck crazy as fuck and it was just like nuts because there was nobody noticeable in that like that you knew Except for a dude who was like in The Wire. He played Ziggy in like season two. He's in a, like a bunch of Spike Lee movies and shit. Yeah, like yeah, that. yeah. He was the asphyxiation scene dude. He was like the only noticeable actor that you recognize. And there's always random like regular people probably. They love to cast regular people in his movies. So fucking creepy and eerie, dude. That movie was fucking Yeah, gnarly. that dude's, I mean, that's his, that's his M.O., man. Yeah, super gnarly. And like I like watching those sometimes just to see what are they going to do. But doesn't mean it has like rewatch value for me. You know, like I can't like. Yeah, yeah. I mean, again. some of those I don't think you're yeah. meant to, if you will. Yeah, it's not going to be like a go down in history because yeah, you're not going to learn yet. anything else. Yeah. It's, it's it's literally shock value to like just call it what it is. You know, you can watch it maybe for that, but that's that's it. It doesn't have any yeah lasting power. There's no reason to put myself through yeah. that again. Which like then you got movies that you watch a gazillion times over. You, you'll always watch them. It comes on TV randomly, and you're at someone else's house. You're going to watch it, or someone else will see it. You're fine, and you quote it. The whole way through. And those are the best. That's how you know those are the best movies. Like, the, oh, yeah. I'll watch this a million times, or I'll watch this one scene that's on right now as I'm passing through the room. I'll sit and watch that five, ten minute scene because it's so good, you know? Right. That's how I kind of, kind of like define like my favorite movies. Something I want to keep watching. You know? Yeah, no matter what. Yeah. yeah. No, I agree with that. And yeah, there's some stuff. 
that you watched like a thousand times when you were younger and then you go back to it and it's like still good. You're like, yeah. oh yeah, I was on to something there. Oh, I love that. I get very disappointed when I watch some shit from the older times of my life and I'm not into it anymore. It yeah. usually happens with comedies. Yeah, me like, too. It's, I, oh, I was younger when this came out. It was, it was funny because yeah. I was 13. It was yeah, hilarious. Was yeah, but then there's some like, yeah, you just like, one of my favorite movies ever was uh, this movie called Go. It was Doug Lyman's first movie. And yeah. he, he did like Born Identity and some other yeah. stuff. It had like Sarah Pauly, Katie Holmes, Tay Diggs, Timothy Oliphant before he was oh, like a big deal. Um, it's like a one night story from three. It's kind of like a Pulp Fiction meets like yeah. drug rave scene. And uh, yeah, it was just, I just thought it was so great when I was young. And then I like kind of went back to it recently to show somebody <laughs> and it was still really good. And it, and then now it's, of course it's developed like a kind of a cult following. Cause it's got this like funny thing, but same thing. I was like, I was like 14 when that came out. And I just was like, yeah, some shit was so. Cool. It was just yeah. so cool and so crazy. But then, like watching it now, I'm like, ah, this isn't as big as I remember it. Yeah, but yeah. it's still funny. It's still weird. We like we grow up and shit. It's, it's weird. Like music, I feel like doesn't do that. Like music, I liked back in the day. I still like it. Doesn't. I don't know. I don't outgrow it the same way. But like film, sometimes like that ain't the same for me anymore. You know, for whatever. reason. Yeah, I think it is. It's a. It's like. When you're a kid, or for me anyways, when you're a kid, like you see some things and you think it looks really big. And maybe yeah. not even a kid. You just were, you know, you watched it 10 years ago and you didn't pick up on it. And now you're seeing it. And maybe it's because we've watched so many movies now. It's maybe because I work with, you know, film yeah, yeah, and TV. Yeah, yeah. But I look at it and I'm just like, oh, yeah, that was kind of a small budget, you know, what I mean? which yeah. is cool. It's not, it's not a knock. It's just it's different. It's a different budget. perception. You know what I mean? Like, Dude, that's why, like, when I hit you about the, the fucking City of Lies, like, movie, talk about, like, small budget, like, Dude, that was like one of the hardest like watches of my life, and I watched it only because I really love the story. I love like the book it was adapted from. It was like the most small budget, like low budget, crappy looking. I've seen so many low budget movies that look better than that. It was heartbreaking. I was like, oh my god, how is anybody like ever paying for this? It's funny too because like some people are masters at getting the most thought. Like you said, out of like a small budget, that's just like I was. I've been watching shorts recently because um, I was looking at maybe writing some shorts. And Interesting. I watched like two really scary ones and they were literally three minutes long, super low budget and they were horrifying. That's and it was scary. just like, this is just brilliant placement and directing. Well, it takes a lot of ingenuity to like, okay, I got this little ass budget. We want to do this with it. How can we make this happen? The or you have most, to like even create the whole I, plot from that low budget perspective. The like, most we can get out of this one little thing. And, and, and again, it's not so much about how it looks necessarily. It's just it like how it feels and how is it, what is the punch? You know what I mean? It doesn't... Okay, yeah. It's like a boxing match, right? You knock somebody out. It's big, sexy punch right to the jaw. But if you if you win the fight because you yeah. got him in the gut and you didn't really see it in the third round, yeah. it's like you still won the fight, though. It's you know what point. I mean? It's It's kind of one of those things. It's like some people just... They, they need to see the big, sexy thing, which is cool. I understand. We all like to see it. But every once in a while, it sneaks up on you. You're like, geez, man. That was you nailed that shit. I always took that approach, like with music videos, was like, okay, the budget's only this. We got to develop some kind of video around this budget that works that we can do creatively and make it look cool, not like cheap, like we're stretching the budget, trying to go all ballistic. Too big, yeah. Because notorious because you can see that when it looks cheap and shitty when you're trying to do a giant epic video where you don't have the money for it it looks crappy and shit like that you can get creative and make some shit cool if you just yeah come up it's with just it, you know? grassroots campaigning but like yeah. it's the same thing it's yeah i mean when we again that video i did with monsters people were like oh dude that looked like it was mad expensive I was like nah dude we just again 
Yeah. You found the right location that we didn't really have to pay much for. The props right, were all stuff we had around the house. Yeah, that's a shit. We didn't you get resourceful. You, know, gotta you get just got to you got to find things that work and call in favors. You're starting like, to see that shit. more and more now, and I think it'll be interesting where film goes in the next like 15 years because it's like you can get a lot done now on an iPhone or like some of these oh, things yeah, that you can shoot sure. with. And like you said, some of these kids are so good at just making their surroundings theirs that yeah. it's you'll see it. I mean, there's the young law tours everywhere. I'm hoping, like, dude. I'm hoping some good shit comes out soon because I feel like this past year was the worst year for movies since I've been like an adult. At least as an adult. Yeah, it was a tough year. I mean, I think I think I, two things happened. It, you know? Yeah, the pandemic we didn't have as much getting shot, but then I think they like, I think they like sat on a lot of their good stuff too. Yeah, because they're like, we don't want to put this out not in the right. theaters, and like Tenant and shit. Like, like, like he kept pushing that shit off, and I, I get it. You, you, you want a big fucking opening in, in theaters where he's supposed to be seen and heard. I totally understand. Right. But it just, I don't know, man, like that shit wasn't an option this year for a lot of movies. Yeah, it wasn't. And, and it'll be interesting now too. the next year. Now that things out, yeah. like how much more gets put out, like what, what gets yeah. shelved. I think sure. a lot of stuff got, like you said, kind of dumped off to the side. And, uh, you know, I think they, some things were halfway shot. So it's like, yeah, they need to finish them. But yeah, I, I mean, I don't know, dude, there's like so so much crap that came out and there was very few movies I can even think of that I like I really enjoyed or I thought was good and I don't know there's been great movies for the last few years like indie especially like great indie movies very few indie movies that I saw coming across my radar that were like dope in general at all like not a lot of shit coming across then like a lot of major fucking big studio shit that I just thought was I don't know just like lackluster cheesy shit like just like a B quality shit they weren't giving us anything good yeah, I didn't. I didn't see much this year that I was like blown away by. But I, I, there was a couple, couple little flicks here and there um, that surprised some people. A lot of people have been talking about "Promising Young Woman." I don't know if you've yeah, seen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With a, what's her name, Carrie. Carrie Mulligan. Mulligan. Yeah. yeah, that was in, that was an interesting movie. I always um, confuse her with the other blonde, like white chick that kind of looks like her. I do too. Help me with her name. I don't know. Uh, the, the one from Dawson's Creek. Um, yeah, I don't know. The one that was married to Heath Ledger, right? I, I don't know. I don't know. But yeah, it's <laughs> pissing me off because she's like my favorite actress. Um, but I heard that movie was good, though. I heard that flick was yeah, good. Yeah, it was interesting. It was cool. And it was, again, it, the, the best thing about it was it was it was super original. It was just like a very, even if you didn't love the movie, you could never like watch it and be like, oh, yeah, it's whatever. Yeah, you got to appreciate like, it. It was take very different. I like that. You take a chance, I'm going to give you love on the strength. Very weird. Even if I don't like it, you're going to go original. Fuck yeah. Yeah, I thought, I thought it did great. That kid Bo Burnham's in it. He was. Yeah, uh, he's from fucking uh, like Arlington or yeah, some yeah, shit. Yeah, he was yeah. great in it. He directed or produced. I don't know. One I mean, of the Carrie other, Mulligan was uh, awesome. Uh, yeah, too, but... this movie, Eighth Grade, like two years yeah, ago. Yeah, 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 yeah. That was fucking awesome. Yeah, he I was great that. in it because he was so, um, his his charisma was believable. He was funny, but not forcing it. He just interesting because I thought his comedy, like, Sucked. Yeah, I didn't. I, and I, I didn't even. I had never heard of him. Like I did. He, I, he just wasn't he did, like, on my radar. Like, he played the piano and sing. Yeah, and not job. my type of shit. But he wasn't on my radar. And I saw this. and I was laughing a lot during the movie because I was just like, "Yo, this is a great performance. He's believable. He's weird. He's funny. He just had. It, it was good. That was one. Yeah, there was a couple around. Uh, I haven't seen anything recently. That exactly because was... <laughs> the brother isn't. And I used to not like Bo Burnham on the strength that. This kid in the North End, 
who still owes me like eight hundred dollars to this day, like fled to Florida. He put me on to Bo Burnham <laughs> when I was smuggling. Him. He's like, "Yo, this dude's kind of funny. He's from like fucking like like Arlington or Cambridge." I was like, "Hey, eh. he's like whatever. He's like playing piano and singing. Like I don't think he's that funny." And then this kid splits owes me eight hundred dollars. I fucking hate his guts. And now I don't even like Bo Burnham because of that kid. So it's kind of his fault. Bo just can't win with Jake. It's not, it's not your fault, Bo. It's not your fault. It's this other dude. But I liked eighth grade. I thought eighth grade was a good flick. I love like. Coming of age flicks. I'm a sucker for coming of age flicks of any like like cultural background, any age group. I fucking love it, dude. I just love them. I don't know why. It was like the one. Uh, did you see the coming of age flick where the it was like a bunch of Republicans freaked out on Netflix, tried to like boycott it. It was what? about a young girl in France who gets involved with like risque dancing with her friends. No, but that sounds awesome. Right up my alley. It was I love so. It was it, it, people. Were, I mean, I mean, I don't even have to explain to you how fucking stupid some of these people are. But they, <laughs> you know, they're just like, we need to fucking boycott Netflix because they're sexualizing these young girls. So I was like, all right, I got to watch this movie because they're yeah, clearly I missing the see point. This movie now. I watched the movie and it was not only excellent. It was far from. Sexualizing. It was not only far from sexualizing. It was like the. Anti glorification of any yeah. of the such behavior. Is it an artistic piece? Probably shitting on that. It was shitting on not only that, but it was, this is why they didn't like it. It was shitting on the religion piece of, oh. of the way it was oppressive to you know young yeah. women, especially in this case, young African women. And then it, it also had this amazing angle of like the dangers of social media, but also how these young girls fully embrace and understand the power that they could wield if should oh, they yeah. choose. So it was a line it's like that was it's uncomfortable yeah, to yeah. watch. There were certainly some scenes where it was like, oh, this is hard to watch. This young girl is flirting with her like upcoming sexuality. Yeah. But it, it, but this is exactly where these fucking nutcases miss the point is <laughs> they're so disgusted by like basic human things that are going to happen regardless of whatever nut crazy thing they try to control that it was a, I thought it was a brilliant piece of filmmaking because it, it was a cautionary tale, but it, it it was made in a way where it felt like a, like a coming of age flick that was for kids, but then for like the adults too, is just like you know thinking about wow this could be a young yeah. girl. It was it was really well done, and it was just funny when I was like, as soon as I read out, you know, these morons talking about like we're gonna fucking boycott it, yeah, I was like, yeah. Like now, like and then I like watched it. Was like the movie was excellent, yeah. it, and it was. Honestly, if you had like taken it the right way, this would actually be proving your points in a way. It's like Don't it's warning against shit. things that are dangerous for children. Yeah. It's warning against things, but the problem is you guys are sucking off the religion piece and yeah, control yeah. piece you're so much. Looking you at it like, on the yeah. surface level, you're not like really looking at what the story yeah. is. And shit. That's yeah. what people like people misinterpret art all the time. They think like whatever the first impression they get is is like oh that's that's what it is it's a shock value weird, yeah. fucked up shit but like there might be a message there might be a story behind that shit it's just I, it's just as soon as I hear stuff like that nowadays it's like you'd swear people like there's this big market for like yeah Netflix is trying to cater to child molesters yeah. dude like yeah. give me a break man and also Fuck like, out like of here. boycotting like movies and music in this day and age is like you're tripping you're wasting yeah, if you don't like it time, it's cool dude. just don't watch yeah. it it's not like 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 you know like like uh, like the Columbine shooters like they would try to throw that shit on like Marilyn Manson or whatever like or like whatever they would try yeah. to throw shit on like NWA back in the day or whatever dude like this music is gonna influence the kids or these movies are bad for the kids I'm like nah that's never been what it is and to still be pulling that fucking witch trial shit now they it's still like, do it yeah it's like the Cardi B shit that was the funniest one was like Cardi B. And they're like shitting on her for WAP or whatever, yeah. and then there's that video of her like playing it, and then her kid comes in oh. and she turns it off. 
Oh, and they're like, see, she turned off. They're like, yeah, because she's a good parent, yeah, dumbass. Like, yeah. Because there's a time for adults to, yeah. to talk about pussy or whatever. Yeah, dude, it's it's, it's fine. Like, it's like, guess how you got here? Parents, yeah. Like, you got to like selectively choose what your kid is going to be able to watch or listen to yeah. or take in. You got to be the a best parent, of your dude. abilities, and then that's it. And yeah, you, yeah. it was just so funny because it was like, talk about missing the point. She's doing a great job parenting because yeah. she knows it's not appropriate. But you guys are using it to attack her because she chose to shield her daughter from something that yeah. she's too young to understand. I always thought the, the outrage over that shit was like the most just like ridiculously hilarious shit because it's like, yo, you guys are getting like, mad were... at her for making this. First off, like not to like I'm not speaking uh, belligerently like she was a stripper. She makes music kind of already on this fucking tip. Like this is not shocking brand new shit. Like why are you expecting her to come out like Mother Teresa style yeah. fucking sister story? act? Yeah. Also, like you can turn that shit the fuck off. You don't have to listen to it. You can control what your kids listen to. Like the the places that play that song isn't like fucking like uh yeah. like the, the, you're not the, playing the it daycare at center and shit. Yeah. yeah, relax, dude. Like that's a strip club song or a nightclub song. Like, there's no little kids running around listening. And yes, if they get on their their fucking phones and get in their fucking social media but you should be monitoring that like that's a parenting job like for don't, sure yeah don't put it and all if, on the teachers and, and, and again it's just else. like how many times do we have to do this from elvis to two live crew yeah. to whoever it's like there's always going to be sex because yeah. it's sex and yeah, there's always going to be the really hard crass abrasive nasty stuff and then there's going to there's going to be porn yeah. there's going to be all this shit it's like you can try to ban it, but again, it's like swimming against the yeah, ocean's you're current. You're only making dude. it worse. You're, just you're only making, making it, it worse. more like a hot topic. Like people are going to have more eyes and ears on it now. It backfires. Well, on kids you. are going to be like, cool. Well, now I'm yeah. definitely going to go check it out. <laughs> when I was little, when I was like ten. I wanted like two live crew tapes, not because like the music was terrifically awesome or whatever, because it was like cool because they were getting like banned and attacked by the yeah. government, and it was like sex and this and that. Like the music was crap compared to the other shit I was listening to. Not to shit on it's two like live crew, but compared story. to the other hip hop I was listening to. But I just wanted those yeah. tapes because it was like fucking you can't wild have shit. It. Exactly, you can't dude, have. You it. can make it taboo now. I want that shit. It was like you know Eminem, what? dude. When yeah. Eminem was so big, people were like, you know, it's funny now seeing people get mad, mad about his old lyrics. It's like, dude, he's oh, yeah, it's like this old dude, lyrics. Like, what do you want this guy to do? Like uh, that's like twenty years old. You're gonna have. Yeah. Like, Dude was wilding like, out, and he was saying shit that had never been said, and pe- that's why people really fucked with him. And yeah. and then when they tried to quote unquote ban him, which didn't really go anywhere because he was the biggest artist on yeah. the planet, it was just like, dude, this is this is what people want to. Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah, it's, it's, doesn't mean you awful. agree with everything. Exactly. It just means you're interested. Exactly, it's, it's out there, man. Too like you can't control that shit. Motherfuckers need to like understand like you can't control all that shit, and you just gotta be like, I don't know, aware that. It, I don't know, man. Your kids are going to, like, get into some shit eventually. Yeah. So how are you going to handle it as a parent before they get into that shit? Like, yeah. what, do you, what are the talks you're having at home? Yeah. What are, what I have a kid now, and, dude, I guess maybe it's because of the way I was raised. It's just, like, I look at my son, and I'm just like, you're going to be fine. Yeah. And I'm not worried about it. And even if, like, some, some shit comes up where it's, like, I feel uncomfortable or whatever, it's like, dude, I, I, do you, am I going to yell at him or am I going to yeah. talk to him? Just be like, yeah. yo, man, this is what I think. If you yeah. want to take my word on it, I hope you do. I'm your pops. I'm yeah, trying yeah. to look out for you. But if you need to explore it yourself, fuck it. Or are you going to, like, shelter the kid and, like, shun yeah. him from shit? Lock him in his like room. Catholic school shit. Like, yo, don't do X, Y, and Z. And then your fucking kid turns into be like a whore fucking dirt biking yeah. under the fucking Shoots bleachers and shit. Shoots up a fucking FedEx yeah. facility. Exactly, dude. Yeah. Like, yeah, you're going to turn him into, like, the weirdo bully or, like, the weirdo whore fucking or dickhead yeah. massage. And again, dude. it's just, like, I feel bad for parents that are just constantly, like, the helicopter parents that just... Helicopter parents. They just I love can't, that They just can't detach because it's, like... You must be miserable all day, worrying because I, I just look at him. It's too much work. Too. It's just too much work, dude. They're kids; they're gonna fall. Leave your kid alone. And then they're teenagers. Yes, they might do some crazy shit. They might smoke some weed. They might fuck. They might do whatever. Like, 
Who knows? You know, the more you push on them, like the more likely, Dude. especially like all my homies with daughters. I'm always like, yo, don't be that overprotective fucking no, pops. It's when weird. she comes there, you're going to turn her into the girl you don't want her to be. And it's also you know weird, gonna, dude. Yeah. It's Again, it's just like, I, I think it's just really hard for a lot of, maybe, yeah, a lot of men, I think, that have daughters that act like that. Yeah. Just know somewhere in themselves the way that they've treated people is exactly that's what it is like a, like yeah so you have to like look yourself in the mirror so you're gonna now take it out on her yeah. because gonna, you like, have a kid hold a shotgun at the door and every dude comes by you go, your daughter's you're gonna turn so into a tough, fucking bro. whore bro you're, you're, you're making so your daughter tough, turn into a whore dude. like you're yeah. tripping like that's exactly how kids are gonna like fucking rebel and again it's shit. just you're just your insecurity is screaming from the mountaintops it's like the oh, sound dude. of fucking music dude like i knew homies like male homies who like Super overprotective family, whatever, and then maybe they go to college and they first time, first time they have to nest. Well, yeah, of and course, they go that's a little different. crazy and nuts. Yeah. Same shit though. Like they were like super protected, like kept down, like didn't know what shit was, wasn't allowed to do things, and now now you can do things and you're learning things you didn't even know existed, and now you just go crazy, like just go nuts and shit. Oh, like they that, go yeah. mental. It's fucking yeah. nuts. It, it is. It's funny how. Yeah, I, I don't get it, man. Dude, yeah, yeah, it's like that Catholic school shit. Like you're gonna make the girls. In those little fucking dresses, turning the fucking like dirt biking chicks under the fucking yeah. bleachers, and the dudes are gonna turn into psychopathic, wild ass motherfuckers. Yeah, you drinking problems. Yeah, 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 because you're just scaring the shit out of everybody. Yeah. You gotta loosen up. You gotta loosen up. Man. You gotta go hippie style, almost, almost, almost. Yeah, almost. no, you gotta you take get, showers. It's Still good. Take to, showers yeah, it's and good wash to have your boundaries. It's wash good. Your to, fucking it's, white it's good to have expectations, but yeah, dude, if you're gonna treat your kid like a fucking roadmap, it's not gonna work out too and well. Wash the fucking hair. Don't let it get all crazy. No white dreads. Dude. No, <laughs> no white, white dreads. dreads. No not white allowed. Dreads. If I brought a girl home with white dreads, my mother would have slapped the shit out of me. I, yeah, my my parents would. I mean, they probably don't even know what to do with me already. But they they would just be like, "Yeah, dude, what are you doing, man?" My mother would be like, "Why does she have dreads?" I was like, "Oh, I, don't know. But I didn't. I never do that, so it's all good." <laughs> you gotta be careful. You gotta be careful with like the white girl dreadlock jokes because you never know who's got a position of power that like might be important to you. Uh, I used to have that situation in my past. I made that joke a lot, and then there was a person who like in the music realm was kind of important. Who is of a lighter, like Caucasian complexion with dreadlocks and like, oh, those jokes don't go over so well. You got to make sure you're cool if you want to get your records played. You got to be chill. Yeah, be cool. yeah. Politics, that music shit. That's why, like you That's were saying, we the, don't like it. the music is the best part. All the other shit is the most brutal part ever. It's like the fucking politics, the bullshit, the fucking. Oh yeah, and the stuff yeah. they're trying to get you to do. Nope. Do you think the politic bullshit of like writing, acting, directing, whatever, any of that shit is any better? No. I think it's still pretty bad. I just think with film, it's almost like it, f- it feels even more out of reach uh, in some ways because it's like yeah, music you can just put out there, right? And sometimes you can't control it. It just goes off. Sometimes whatever. With film, it's almost like you can't do that yet. You know what I mean? You can't just, you can't just yeah. put some shit yeah, out. Yeah, it takes too much. It, it's it takes just too much. Too much. So it's like there's still big I mean look at the stuff we're starting to see with big time gatekeepers right I mean the Harvey Weinstein stuff yeah. some of the other shit it's like well duh yeah. you have the most yeah, sought yeah. after like fame and money like things and in the world and you're holding the key to that and you're holding the shit. key to that you're, of course these fucking creeps are doing this oh, but so then there's you know there's legitimate creatives in that industry right or people yeah. that really believe in the stuff True. and you can see it on their track record where you're like oh okay and, yeah. and again I, I feel like you know, this one person hates your script. Yeah. 
this person believes in it three years later. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, and then three years later, they love it. They go back and dig up anything you've ever written and buy it just off principle and then may or may not make it. It's like Stephen King t- tells the story all the time where it's like, yeah, they hated this one. And then like, you know, let's just, I'm, yeah, I'm yeah. speaking a little off, but like, let's just take the shining, for example, sold. And then they went back and like, Oh, this is fucking great. And he's like, yeah. Oh, that's funny. Like yeah, 30 people has, told like, me so that shit much sucked. shit too. Like that dude's so prolific. Like one thing I got to give anybody, any artist credit to is like, if you're pumping out mad shit and still oh, yeah. good, too. Stephen like, King is that dude was a like, right, beast. Like a motherfucker, and I'm like, his books are it, so dude. long too, dude. Like it is one of the craziest books I've ever yeah. read, and it's like a thousand. Dude, it's insane. Pumping out books, and there was like when I was younger, like I knew like the Stephen King movies that were like the the more horror based or creepy ones. Then you find out he's like doing like the Green Miles and the Shawshanks and shit. Like, yo, this motherfucker's writing that shit too. Like, goddamn, this motherfucker's crazy. And he's from Maine, which is a cold, miserable place. Been oh to yeah, Bangor. I've been to Bangor. Good lobster rolls, though. Good lobster rolls, <laughs> but it's a fucking miserable place. But he was killing it. He's a wild ass motherfucker. But I mean, you know, I don't know, man. You gotta like, you gotta kind of just like I don't know, just stay like hopeful with whatever you're creating that you like, feel like it's actually good, and, like has merit, and, like you're in. Yeah, it, and just persevere through that bullshit. That's it exactly like the what most it is. But it's true like, though. You gotta but, just be yourself, and that's one thing I'll give that's different than music in my experience with the film stuff is like, that's kind of preached a lot still with music. They're just kind of like, like you said, they try to box you in. They try to get you to do this. Like film and TV might do that if you're like in the wrong racket, but if you have something that they like, they're going to fuck with you. They're going to be like, okay, you tell me why. They don't try to change you as much as like in music. They want to mold you. Right. Right. Because it's like an algorithm now, but with the, with, Ah, with, with, with film, it's like, no dude. So if I'm going to tell a story about, being um you know a single father that's running a strip club or i'm doing this or i'm doing that you know they there might be pieces of it they want to change yeah yeah but the The soul of it is oh okay well this is based off this or okay they they want they they want to exacerbate that it is true yeah yeah music i always feel like they're like okay we like a little this and that but we're gonna we want you to fit this cookie cutter mold we're gonna like try to like manipulate you to do this or you should do this more though and do that less exactly no music and music now is just like it's it really is the wild west in a lot of ways it lives very much in the middle like very much in the moment like music is like you gotta what, what's happening now what's, 30 what's seconds. cool yeah 30 like seconds film and shit like you said like people might buy some shit down the line or hold on to it for a grip and you know whatever but music is so so hot button and that's like kind of one of my issues with it it just doesn't feel it feels more timely than timeless sometimes and that bothers me yeah no I agree totally and it's it's um, it's 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 too bad too because there's some stuff that I've I've listened to that I love and I'll, I'll go back. But I've even caught myself doing it. Right, there's so much to get through and there's I want to keep up. And then you're just much. like, dude, I listened to that once and and I I, I liked yeah. it, but I didn't even I forgot it got yeah. made. Like, too much shit. we're inundated with too much overstimulation, man. There's too much, too many lights, too many sounds. It is. Many- it's and it, it really is. I think that's part of the other reason I've gotten away from music a little bit too is just because like when we came up, it was more the blog era and like yeah. some of that stuff, and that was. Even though there was a lot of bullshit and a lot of gatekeeping, a lot of still nonsense, still like regulated to a degree of the yeah. output. You know? and it yeah. just felt like even like the live performances and stuff. It just felt like you really kind of had to bring it. And now it's yeah. like, 
Dude, I, I mean, you go to There's some live shows performances are just, they're over their fucking they're vocals. Brutal. It's in a it's club. Brutal. It's, it's like, very disappointing. Dude. Very disappointing. Like, it used to be like, yo, you would get, like, rocked off stage yeah. if you were being it's, a club. It's always a bummer, like, especially if you go to somebody who you, like, like and, and fuck with it. Even if they're not rocking over their own vocals, but you're like, oh, Just like I tell suck. these kids, like, dude, they don't even believe it. They're like, well, dude, you grew up, you know, here. I'm like, dude, I did, like, I did open mics at, like, the Dublin house, yeah. okay? Like, I, I went, I went and, like, I rocked in front of people that were looking at me like I was fucking Lost. Dublin house, dude. But then, like, you earn a crowd. The feeling of earning yeah, a crowd yeah, yeah. is like it something. Makes you, it makes you have more confidence, too. Yeah. And then it also, like, kind of really, for me, it always gave me that, like, sense of, yeah, you're doing something right. Because yeah. it's just like, they're not, these people, they owe you nothing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. These people, if you're in, like, some shithole or some, yeah, no yeah. offense to Dublin house, I love yeah. the Dublin house, but you know what I mean. <laughs> you know, you're in some place and, you know, they don't, they don't need to come up yeah, to you yeah. and. Fucking no, fluff don't. you. They just need to. You. They, they're just gonna be like, okay, next. But when people come up, they're like, yo, bro, I really, I, yeah. I really thought you nailed that or whatever. It's like, yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, you, you earned that. And you, it's not like millie vanilla doubt, like where you was over your own. Vocals. Yeah, like, yeah, on like, some club, which is fine in, in in the right circumstance, I guess. But yeah, it's like, dude, if I go to a hip hop show or a rap show, yeah. you said like, I want to go see. I want to go see something that I respect. At the yeah, very yeah. Least, you want to be you know? impressed. You yeah, want to of be course. Entertained, like a show, dude. Like it's so weird because sometimes, like you have those fantasies, like oh, I wish I was born a little earlier, grew up like a little earlier, because of all the cool shit you think is like drifting away from now. Right, right. But then it's like then I wouldn't grow up with like uh, you know like all these cool pieces of technology that make my life easier. It's like a fucked up thing. Like, do I really want to grow up in the seventies where like? There's no internet and there's no like whatever and like shit is you can get yeah, the grass the is paint. always greener. Like, yeah, 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 fucking asbestos like shit. No, Sent to kinda, fucking Vietnam. Yeah. No, I don't want to go to Vietnam. Show <laughs> I don't want to go to Iraq. I'm fucking having a blast over here, dude. My right arm doesn't straighten out. I can't yeah. shoot a rifle. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry I made fun of TikTok. Just leave me alone. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I hate TikTok, but I don't want to go to Afghanistan. I don't want to go to China. Let me chill, bro. I'm fucking chilling. You guys don't even need the draft. You got those flying drones. You're gonna kill everybody over in that village. Just hit a Let button, me chill dude. and talk shit on social media and be a bitch and like enjoy my enjoy bitch. my life. All right, y'all. This episode of the Damaged Goods Podcast was brought to you by Elite Botanicals. Elite Botanicals is originally the CBD division of Elite Cannabis. If you guys have heard me talk about them, you know this is my favorite CBD product out there. The only one that truly works. I swear by it. That's why I'm endorsing them, not for any other reason. And now they're back with their new line for your little pets, Whole Pet CBD. They are one of the first companies farming high CBD cannabis under industrial hemp rigs. They've been working with CBD since 2013 with one of the first licensees in Colorado. Also, they've been working with Colorado State University since 2016 on their canine research study with CBD. So they know what they're doing. Their focus is providing farm-to-table product that uses the best ingredients possible, ultra-refined, distilled, full-spectrum CBD oil at high potency for reasonable pricing. That's the problem. Most of these other guys are overpriced for their non-working stuff. This allows for effective dosing and a 30-day-plus supply per unit. For the pets, they've got drops that go on their food or in their mouth. they got chicken and salmon-flavored ones. They've got soft gel capsules. they got a gravy powder. You just sprinkle that over their food or put a couple of water in there, and it makes a nice little gravy mix chocked full of CBD, glucosamine, and omegas for their joints. They've got nose and toes balm for cracked noses and paws, and they got some all-natural treats on the way. All this is available at WholePetCBD.com. Elite Cannabis, Elite Botanicals, and now Whole Pet CBD, all from Elite. Go check it out. And now for an additional discount, use the promo code DAMAGEDGOODS. That's D-A-M-A-G-E-D. 
G-O-O-D-S, damaged goods, to get an additional percentage off.